Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. and the whole kind of Christmas shop guy, he stood up to talk about the Christmas shop and to uh, inform us all about how it was going to run this year. And his opening gambit was, who's looking forward to Christmas? And there was just this silence, this weird empty space where nobody said anything. There was not even a single sort of frisson of Christmassy excitement at all, just this hole that we kind of seem to collectively be in. And I should point out that the kids had gone out, so I'm sure there would have been some Christmas excitement had people under the age of 12 been in the room. But actually the grown-ups were not able to summon up the, ooh, ooh, yes, we're really looking forward to Christmas. We just couldn't do it. And I think it points in a way to what we might call our operative and our espoused beliefs about Christmas of nice technical terms for you there. So our operative belief is what drives our behaviour. And our espoused belief is the one that is our ideal and is in our head. Sometimes they are complete opposites. So it's nice when those two things are the same, our operative and espoused, kind of going along in a nice integrated way, but quite often what happens is they are entirely different from one another. So it might be that in our head, our belief is that Christmas is truly a special feast. And it's a celebration in the Christian calendar where we recognize that God became one of us. It's the feast of the incarnation. And more than that, he's taken up residence by the power of the Holy Spirit in the human heart, ending forever the separation between God and creation. That is something to celebrate, right? But at another level, our belief, which may be our operative belief, is that Christmas is exhausting and that we feel exhausted at everything Christmas requires of us. We're exhausted by this year. We don't have energy to spare. We have complex relationships to navigate at Christmas that we don't have the energy for. Christmas costs time or money or both that maybe we don't really have. So there's even pressure to do Christmas a certain way. And we ask, don't we, what are you doing for Christmas? Which I kind of think is maybe the wrong question. Or possibly we just need a better answer. But tonight I want to speak from that sort of existential Christmas hole that we appear to be in. And it could just be me, but I suspect it probably isn't. And to remind myself and us that it isn't Christmas yet. This is Advent, the time of preparation for Christmas. And I'm not talking about the gift buying, sitting in traffic, cruising around the car park, desperate to find a parking space, office party you don't want to go to, endless end-of-year school events kind of preparation. No, this is a, a gentle preparation and a cultivation of awareness that Christmas is about preparing a space within ourselves for the life of God to just nestle in and grow. So with that, welcome to our Advent series. This is a special season in our faith. It's the four weeks, especially Sundays, leading up to Christmas, and we travel kind of like the wise men in our own way, traveling with the people of the story and the events towards that moment of recognition and adoration of God as one of us. 
So we're going to be tuning in and listening to the voices of those present at this cosmic turning point. And some of the voices we know well. Their names are very recognisable to us in, in the, the Christmas narratives. Some of the voices we have avoided. They're awful or they're awkward. Others are just simply faint and they take more effort to listen to. But there are angels, kings, seers, priests, peasants, shepherds. Uh, there are men and significantly women and children. And we get to listen in to those voices. They're all in the narrative for a reason. And we won't be able to hear from all those voices in this series this year, but we're going to do our best to just turn up the volume on a few special ones as we track towards Christmas, which is the birth feast of God or the feast of the incarnation. So even changing our language for it, kind of ditching Christmas, if that's not helpful, it's like, what am I celebrating? Celebrating the incarnation for crying out loud. And it will take an effort, this kind of listening. For most of us, it is the busiest time of year. There's a heck of a lot going on, which also makes it a stressful time of year. And I know Vic is probably already stressing about what to get me for Christmas, which I think is quite right. Um, <laughs> so he should. Although he's actually pretty good. Although, as I said to our um, people this morning, the one bum note, I think, was uh, declaring a fast on the camping holiday we went on in our first married summer. Hellish. <laughs> so what I want to do tonight anyway is to really just help us carve out this special sacred place and time in our own awareness to acknowledge the Christmas crazy. And I'm not going to lie, I love some of that stuff. But it doesn't have to be an either or kind of a thing. It doesn't have to be, I can't do the God thing because the Christmas thing is just so overwhelming. Let's look for the intersection. Let's look for the holy and the ordinary. And isn't that a great phrase? Looking for the holy in the ordinary. Let's listen for the voice today and through Advent, which says something to us, which is true and good and beautiful about who God is and who we are. And it's listening to these small, quiet things, which brings transformation to our lives. And I'm wondering, you know, can we echo Mary's voice and give God's spirit radical permission to enter our lives in the most intimate way, allowing new life to be generated within us, in our very being. And not only will there be voices over these few weeks, but we're going to see this event in history through the eyes of artists from around the world. Art from Africa and India and Asia and Aotearoa, celebrating Jesus as he is, which is the one who belongs to every human family and race. So I'm hoping, and we all hope, we're part of the, the preaching team, that there'll be some fresh insights, some moments of healing or restoration for us, and that we will be moved to acts of compassionate justice, and is there any other kind? And that in the bright and dark parts of these stories, we might recognize ourselves and offer ourselves, body and soul, to God, as Mary did. That is her great example to us, her gift to humanity was to do that on our behalf. She's the mother of us all, actually. So let's go back then to this invitation of God to prepare ourselves. And this comes from the prophetic announcement of St. John the Baptist. Let me just wait. 
wait a moment for that to do its little thing. Not very responsive. There we go. That should make a difference. Oh, Tim, did you turn it off? Not helpful. <laughs> there we go. So, John the Baptist is the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. I love the old school language. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I love the ye. You never get to say that these days. And so today's voice is the voice of an extremist. I don't know if you've thought about John the Baptist this way. This young man was the baby who leapt for joy in his mother's womb at the sound of Mary's greeting, this in utero recognition of his Lord in utero in Mary. And it's been depicted in icons through the centuries, but I love this one. Look at John. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Jesus is like, yep. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? John's father, Zacharias, and we'll hear from Zacharias and Elizabeth later in the series, heard God say these following words about this bubba before he was even conceived. So listen in to what God said to Zacharias, who had waited an awfully long time to become a dad. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at this birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He mustn't drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So, not your usual career path then. John was Jesus' cousin, older by about six months, and his ministry was well established by the time Jesus emerged into the public scene. But here is how Jesus describes John. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Jesus also described uh, John as the greatest human who was ever born. That's something, isn't it? But then went on to say, but even the least in the kingdom of God is as great or greater than John. So, pretty amazing perspectives. St. Matthew, formerly the tax collector, describes John and what he was like. He says he started preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, turn back to God. The kingdom of heaven will soon be here. John was the one prophet Isaiah was talking about when he said, in the desert, someone is shouting, get the road ready for the Lord. Make a straight path for him. Matthew goes on to describe more about John, saying John wore clothes made of camel hair. He had a leather strap around his waist and ate grasshoppers and wild honey, which sounds weird, but it's kind of extreme kosher diet. And we think now that uh, John was connected with the Essene community, which is uh, where we have um, where the desert, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the desert at Qumran. So, you know, quite ascetic lifestyle that they had. From Jerusalem and all Judea, Matthew says, and from the Jordan River Valley, crowds of people went to John. They told how sorry they were for their sins, and he baptized them in the river. Also that many Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized, but John said to them, you bunch of snakes, who warned you to run from the coming judgment? Do something to show you've really given up your sins. 
And don't start telling yourselves you belong to Abraham's family because I tell you God can turn these stones into children for Abraham. And Matthew goes on to describe more about that. But then we come to what John says about himself. He replies to a question, and he replies in the words of the prophet Isaiah, which is where Jesus has referenced and where Matthew has referenced. John says of himself, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. So he's laying claim to the role that Isaiah foresaw of the forerunner. The job of the forerunner is to prepare the way for and announce to everyone the coming of the VIP. He's the fixer. He goes ahead, makes sure that people know what they're supposed to do and who it is that they're doing it for. So John was called to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah, God's anointed king. The people have been waiting for this for centuries. And John's message is utterly focused on people's hearts, just like Jesus's was too. Ordinary people came to hear him, recognizing in his message something so beautiful and longed for that the baptism he offered in the river for ritual cleansing was sought by many, many people. And John's ministry isn't finished. He still calls us to prepare ourselves. He's calling us today, I think, to make ready, to look into our own hearts and see what hindrances or speed bumps there are to the smooth arrival of Jesus. And it doesn't matter if, like me, you've been a Christian for 100 years. I do feel old this year. There's always a new invitation to make room for Jesus in our hearts, whether it's daily, monthly, or annually, the Christian journey is that we start over, always. Um, it's just how things are. We always begin again. Every day is a new beginning. And Advent presents us with this chance to, switching metaphors here, to clean house, to sweep out the cow pats and put fresh hay in the manger because a miracle is coming. God is going to be born and live in the manger of our heart. John offered to baptize people, hence John the Baptist. Obviously, not everybody else was doing that, although it was part of Jewish practice. He offered to baptize them as part of their preparation. And this is a defining aspect of the Christian way, isn't it? That we turn from our violent agendas, maybe even doing violence to ourselves, that's what repent means, and we put our trust in Jesus to act on our behalf, that's what believe means. John's message was repent and believe. And then we're baptized to show that we mean it. We're washed. Baptism is a washing. But it's also entering into the physical metaphor of death and burial and resurrection. And it's also entering into the story of the exodus and the journey from captivity and slavery to freedom through the waters of the Red Sea. It's also a metaphor of birth. It's like baptism is just layer upon layer of a story between us and God and something that we enact ourselves. So if you haven't been baptized, it might be that that's something else John could be saying uh, today to think about. Now I've got something that I hope will help us prepare for Christmas as we journey through Advent. My favorites are sitting on this side. There we are. You get the fancy pants one. Well, not the whole box. You know how Advent calendars work. You open a window and you eat one chocolate. There we are. There's another one. Feel free to open a window and eat a chocolate. That's how Advent calendars work. 
Yes, now. Yeah, yeah. So the point of the advent calendar isn't to eat a chocolate every day, as good as that might be. The idea is to help us travel through to Christmas time, right? And I love that each day... Are you having trouble opening that, Petra? I can give you a ready opened one, but just, you know, dig in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that there is, there's a little window every day that we get to open, right? That's how the Advent calendar works. So I'm wondering if as we are doing this journey towards Christmas, what if we were to look every day for the window in our day where there is something special from God for us. Traditionally, the Advent calendar, before they put chocolates in them, used to have a little line of the nativity story um, or a little religious picture or a little religious symbol, things that sort of let you know as a child that you're kind of on your way to this special thing that happens. Then you'd open up the last two windows and it didn't have an extra big chocolate in it. It had a picture of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. So, you know, there were no treats in there really. But one of the amazing things though was that it was so encrusted with glitter and snowy houses and all sorts of other stuff that you had to really look for the window. So some of these, it's a bit easy. You know, the, the date is on there very clearly, but they're not always that easy to find. You've got to look for where today's window is because they don't go in order. So I love that sense of searching through the sort of meta-narrative of our day, the overarching image of our day, and looking for where the window is that we can open. And there is God in some way having said something kind to us, having given us a line of scripture or a song that somehow is nourishing and good for the day, or that we've spotted something just so beautiful um, with, you know, summer's coming, it might just be the evening star rising, who knows, just something beautiful that just kind of stops us in our tracks. And it's like that is a moment to savour. So this is what I'm sensing, I suppose, for this Advent and Christmas, that God's desire and invitation is for us to look each day for this window. Um, and, you know, Lent invites us to restrain ourselves, right? But Advent invites us to just go all in, to be childlike, to look for the windows and to open them with joy. I also wonder, and it occurred to me as I was speaking this morning, what if someone else is going through their day and they open somehow, the window pops open in their day, and you're there. You're the one with the kind word. You're the one who's bought the coffee. You're the one who has um, provided some kind of solace in the midst of a hard day for someone. And the beauty of that is that you can be intentional about it, and I credit Isa with that idea this morning, or it, sometimes you just don't know that you've done the thing that has been beautiful for someone else. And that's kind of special in its own way too, isn't it? When we just are being ourselves and we don't know that just by being present to someone, we've been just what they needed without even trying. So there is an intentionality, but there's also the sense of just be ourselves, the best version of ourselves. I think the danger, though, is often we work much harder at sort of being good for other people and we lose sight of how God is being good to us. So I'd still probably want to say, look 
in the window of your day for where God's done something for you or where something has come to you from someone else, not in a selfish way, but just in that sense of growing awareness of looking for the holy in the ordinary. If it helps you, buy an advent calendar. Eat the chocolate, be grateful. Take that little dopamine hit and just have a gratitude practice with your advent calendar. That would not be a bad thing to do. So that might help, but I'll tell you what will help. Get a journal or create a digital document and just use a page a day to record what was in the window of your day. I promise you, if you do that, you won't be exhausted by the time Christmas comes. You'll be prepared. So what do we look for in terms of the window? How do we know this is our little window in our day? Feel free, if you want to, take a picture of that so you can follow it through. So what you're looking for in your day is any moment of wonder or beauty. Any obvious answer to prayer, which is kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Any unexpected evidence of God's care. Any help to do God's work in the world. You might suddenly find your shifts have changed and you're available on the Christmas shop day. That could also be an unusual linkage or timing. Two things coming together at once. God helping you do God's work in the world and assisting with that by sorting out the timing for you. And any moment in which we encounter love or perhaps what we might call any of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, joy, kindness, patience, gentleness, all those things. I can attempt to recite them, but I always miss one out. You can look them up. Galatians 5. I believe. Is that right? Yes. Check with Vic. (laughs) So love is the cardinal virtue, if you like. And it's more than a virtue. It's God's nature. So wherever you encounter love, it comes from God. If your dog licks your face in adoration, you can thank God for that. It's a special, special moment, especially if it comes when you've had a really, really crap day. So I want to really stretch the boundaries of what you might think um, love is and where it comes from. Anything that lets you know you are loved is from God. That's what God does. So around that, there might be other lovely things that you notice. So pay attention to the moments where you encounter love or kindness or joy or patience or peace self-control, faithfulness, all those lovely things. So, John is yelling at us from the desert tonight, saying, prepare. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's so near. Do you have rubbish in your life? Get rid of it. Be baptized for the cleansing of your heart. Look to the Lamb of God, because he has taken all the sin, not merely of the world, but of the cosmos, He's done it because he said it is finished. So it's not a work in progress. It's done. None of us asked for him to do it. It's just done. John says he's the one to follow. Behold the Lamb of God. That's that fantastic statement of Jesus. And then the Lamb of God, who is Jesus, to whom John points, says, Welcome to my table. You are my friends, 
and there's room for all at this table. The bread and the wine are my body and blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So it's time for us to come to this table, this small feast, the little wafer and a sip of grape juice is that powerful echo of the meal that Jesus shared with his friends the night before he was crucified. And as Christians, we eat this bread and we drink this cup to remember him. And it's a special kind of remembering. It's not just um, an intellectual assent, but it's a participation in the event. We are, as we take communion, participating with the disciples and all Christians everywhere in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. So it's got a special fancy name, that kind of remembering. It's not just, oh yeah, I remember. It's an embodied remembering and participation. And in our church, all are welcome to this table. So I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to uh, have our communion liturgy. So there's a portion that I'll read, and then there'll be a portion for you guys to read. And if you didn't do your bit, well, it would kind of fall flat. It, it takes both of us to make this happen properly and well. So let me just open my book. And just in line with our COVID protocols, we don't have a big lump of bread, tasty bread anymore, uh, but we have communion wafers and our servers will sanitize their hands. It's a new holy ritual <laughs> before having communion. And the bread, the little wafer will be given to you with the words, bread of heaven. And you can say amen if you like, but you don't have to. And the cup will be given to you with the words, the cup of life. And again, you can say amen, which just means truly or yes. So, you know, sometimes we say things we don't even really know what they mean. So there's a little something extra. So before we come to the table, it's traditional to examine our hearts, to confess our sins, get rid of the rubbish. So let's take a moment just to do that in the privacy of our own heart. And if there's anything at all that you feel is in the way or troubling you, Open that to Jesus now. And your job now is just to trust that that is heard and attended to and walk in the freedom that you've been given. So the table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It's the table of communion with the earth represented by the bread and the grape juice. And the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us 
to meet him here. So let's say this part together. Loving God, through your goodness we have this bread and juice to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves, a single living act of praise. Amen. So I'm just going to invite our communion service to come. And we'll just hold, when you've received your bread and grape juice, just hang on to it until everyone's been served and we'll eat together. Come all broken, come all needy, come all poor, come all slaves, come all rulers, come be seated, come all sinners, come all saints. Come to the table from the red fire. Come from shadows. Come out of the dark. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.